Welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Sloth Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about because this is my podcast. And I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun. And we'll try to stay as calm as we can. But let's get into it and let's all have some fun listening. And you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. podcast is for kids, so ask a parent, guardian, before watching, buying, or doing anything. Or listening to a podcast. It may or may not like the podcast content, or content, so always ask permission before you do something. But I would say, I hope you all like my podcast, enjoy the things I talk about. On the one podcast, I talk about animals and mythical creatures. On the other, I talk about like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Dumbo, Disney, Easter eggs, stuff like that. So I do have like two, I do two characters that have podcasts. One's like a mermaid hybrid. She's like a fairy mermaid creature. And the other's like a person who likes boy and girl things and talks about them, like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, um, Dragon Ball Z if you want. So check it out. Enjoy. This is a kid disclaimer. This is made for kids. Always ask a parent, guardian, or someone who is in charge of you before watching, buying, listening to, or doing anything in my podcast. 
YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I also hope you all have a wonderful day and enjoy some of these videos and podcasts and different things that I do. And remember, don't always do stuff you see at home. You should be cautious and make sure it's the right thing for you. And make sure your parents are okay with it or your guardian. I also hope you all have a wonderful, great day, afternoon, and night. And I hope every kid out there is enjoying their free time. And have a great, wonderful day and enjoy my Welcome back. I am your host, the Susan Anime O'Hagan, and today well, we're going to talk about Marvel, the world of Marvel, which I love comic books. I like both DC and Marvel, so I'm a little hard to not, I'm a little easier to please than some people, so I got Origins and beyond inside the MCU, the future of a universe, plus 60 years of Spider-Man. Pop culture powerhouse from the iconic book origins to the retrieving turns in modern blockbuster movies. The heroes and villains of Marvel have captured and inspired generations of fans. Marvel. Context, great power, great responsibility. How many Marvel, 10 essential Marvel stories, 18 Marvel TV beginnings, who really created the Fantastic Four, the evolution of Spider-Man, the birth of a Hollywood powerhouse, the MCU's extra credit scene, a Marvel, ours, movies, franchise, and game, Interview, Clash of the Titans, Thor vs. Hulk, a Spider-Man Man Summit, Small Screen Adventure, The Sang-Chi Effect, What's Next in the MCU, Walk Among the Avengers, That Marvel Magic. Thor, famous, played on screen by Chris Hemsworth, made his comic book debut in 1962. A senior Marvel introduced Spider-Man and the Hulk. Follow me back for more. Today we are going to continue the world of Marvel, origins beginning inside the MCU, the future of the universe, 60 years of Spider-Man, and so much more. Let's see where we left off. Ah, yes, one of my favorites, which happens to be the X-Men. The X-Men, the animated series. From the 1990s is considered one of the Marvel's best cartoon shows. The X-Men movies were blockbusters that paved the way for the other film franchises, including the first Spider-Man trilogy starring Tobey Maguire. Under Perlman leadership and a bitch of the company simulated 
by creators flooded the market with too much material and used up cash reserves by buying multiple companies in an attempt to bump its market value. Palmer took Marvel public in 1991. Many feared that the end was not was the night, but toy manufacturing executive Ava Adward wasn't convinced. Adward had an unlikely relationship with Marvel. The company owned 46% stake in his employer. Toy biz allowing him to get inside Marvel and help create relationships within the television and film industry. Like Paul Man, I firmly believe that Marvel could be the next Disney. He just didn't think Parliament was the man to make that happen. Marvel emerged from bankruptcy in 1998 after A.R.A.D. convinced his partner, Eagle Parliament, that Toy Biz should purchase a majority stake in the company and take control. The newly merged Marvel Toy Biz Company named Marvel Enterprises debuted in 1998, the same year as the first Blade movie starring Wesley Snipes hitting at large, large multimedia plant. Even as the company was rebuilding its publishing line, plans were beginning made to partner with studios for a steady stream of Marvel movies and TV shows. Paul Mutter and Arbor brought in former trading card executive Bill James and comic artist Joe Tuseta to make over the publishing line, which they achieved through a combination of smart hires and an appetite for public stunt. Even after James was quickly pushed out for being too out there, he had written a six-issue series combining thinly veiled digs at corporations with their own take on the intelligent design theory of evolution as filtered through Marvel mythology. Marvel claimed half of all monthly comic book sales on a near pre-managed basis regularly relaunching itself every couple of years through so-called event storylines with titles like Civil War or Secret Invasion to maintain customer interest. Ads master plan played out almost as he'd hoped. Hits like 20th Century Fox, X-Men, and Sony Spider-Man laid the groundwork for Marvel to produce its own movies starting with 2008's Iron Man and expanding from there, transferring Marvel into a global super brand it wasn't there to enjoy it. However, having left the company to being an independent producer in 2006, he remains attached to Sony Marvel's properties in the captive and show up as an independent producer on both Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk. A's former partner Paul Mutter remained chairman even after A left, leaving Marvel to its most luxurious deal to date when it was 
purchased by Walt Disney Company. I'm sorry, I have to laugh. For four billion in 2009, in many respects, the buyout was validation for both P and A, and Disney recognizing the potential the two men had seen in Marvel all along. What followed Marvel's taking over of pop culture thanks to its movies and TV shows made a household name of Stan Lee who spent decades to the point as the very persona of Marvel. By 1998, he'd move into a mostly symbolic figure role. Lee's 2018 death was regarded as the loss of the company funding father for more than the 1992 passing of Martin Goodman that fell right into a stageway, what could be more fitting for a company built on the story of the superhero than to have a secret origin story separate from the public persona the world knows and loves. Who really created the Fantastic Four? Stan Lee became the first. Stanley became the face of Marvel, but as this book expert suggests, Jack Kirby was a key force in the company's success. Fantastic Four. Stanley and Jack Kirby worked together for nearly a decade after the Fantastic Four number one debut collaboration on stories featuring the Hulk, Thor, the Avengers, the X-Men, and countless other characters. Fantastic Four crystallized an art form that had had an impact on our culture, revising jazz, rock and roll, hip hop, wrote the author Walter Mosley in 2005. It not only spoke to the young people of my day and later, but it also helped to form the rule, form them to release per personas and tensions that the older generation had no idea existed. This is a huge praise and a modern reader may be forgiven for not agreeing upon reading the issue for the first time like so many pieces of art that define generations and set trends. The Fantastic Four number one seem arctic and critic now to the untrained eye. On counterbully, number of readers who picked the comic up after its hit stands on August 8th, 1961, it was a mind blower. However, a question haunted the comic, as only by the crustacean few who read the read between the lines, who came up with it, and in doing so began the Marvel revelation. Traditionally, that honor has been reserved for Stan Lee, but outside Stan's own off-repeated words, there is currently no known evidence that he created the primus plot or characters that appeared in Fantastic Four. Number one, no preservation board, no C-O-N-T-E-M-P-O-R-A, R-Y, legal documents, no correspondence, no diary entries, nothing. There is, of course, a chance that something existed and is simply not 
publicly available at present, but given all the painstaking legal, his torologic and journalists searching to determine the issue, creative origins that seem highly unlikely, the closet thing to advance that a pro-stand argument can offer up is a curious document with a questionable backstory. It's a summary of that particular and Quince comic book written on a typewriter with a headline that reads, complete with a misspelling S-Y-N-O-P-I-S-I-S, Dendoporus, the Fantastic Four, July 61 schedule stands. Portray Roy Thomas claimed that Stan showed him this document in the late 1960s, years after it was supposedly written. It has since been reprinted by Thomas on multiple occasions as his way of identifying Stan as the prime mover. But the key question is whether the sympathy was composed before or after a discussion of the idea between Stan and Jack Kirby. If it was written before, that would make Stan the creator of the Fantastic Four. If it was written, if it was written after, Jack may have been the creator. It's near impossible to know for certain, but there is significant reason to suspect the Sympus was written after Stan Kirby spoke. Even Stan showed us this was the sequence of events in 1974 essay about the comic after kicking it around with Martin and Jack for a while, I decided to call our quaint quarter the Fantastic Four and I wrote a detailed first spona for Jack to follow and the rest is history. In 1997, Thomas told in an interview that he saw Stan's plot for Fantastic Four 1, but even Stan would. Another never claimed for sure that he and Jack hadn't talked the idea over before the before he wrote this. Stan would go on to change his story by telling Thomas in personal conspirants about the sympathy from the late 1990s. Incidentally, I didn't discuss it with Jack first. I wrote it first after telling Jack it was for him because I knew he was the best guy to draw it. There is a rumor that the entire document was created after the comic hit stands in 2009. Kirby assistant Steve Sherman recalled, I asked Jack about that. Symphonist, he told me that it was written way after FF1 was published. I believe him. And what of Kirby direct words on the matter in 1989, an interviewer said to Kirby, Stan says he corresponded visually everything in the Fantastic Four that he came up with, all the characters. And then he said that he wrote a detailed siphon for Jack to follow. Kirby's response was brief and to the point. I've never seen it, and of course, I would say that's an outright lie. Welcome to the initial debate over whether it was Stan or Kirby who created the superheroes that emerged in the Hardy days of the Marvel explosion. Well, that's a lot to process, but we will continue more. 
and welcome back. I am your host, the Susan Anna Mae O'Hagan, and this is Gummy Bears Podcast Land. And today, oh, we are going to talk about the world of Marvel, origins and beyond, inside the MCU, the future of the universe, 60 years of Spider-Man. Great powers comes great responsibility. For more than 80 years, Marvel has sought to reflect the real world through extraordinary characters. Since its very first creation, Marvel's superhero universe has purposefully reflect the world outside your window. As Stan Lee famously put it, this idea is so entranced in the Marvel philosophy that the phrase was the title of a collection of comic books stories a few years ago. Originally, the phrase referred to both the approach, Lee, and collaborator, such as Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, took towards their insurance. Breaking heroes as well as their willingness to embrace subject matter ripped as they say goes from the headlines. As early as the late 60s, Marvel was gaining attention for adjusting studio riots and drugs use and issues of the amazing Spider-Man. These days, the world outside our window is even more filled by the Marvel Universe, even before it was bought by the Walt Disney Company in 2009, Marvel had broken into mainstream pop culture consistentness in a way only dreamed of by those connected to the company in earlier, more innocent times with the expression of the ones and corporation investors who's been working expressly towards that goal for years. Of course, even if their steadfast fever had almost driven the company into the ground as a result. As movies such as Iron Man, the Avengers, and Guardians of the Galaxy transform the self-described house of ideas into a dominant force at the multiplex, mirroring the company rise on newsstands and in comic book stories decades earlier. Marvel was forced to deal with an idea central to Spider-Man's origins. With great power, there must also be great responsibility. After transforming 
beloved comic book heroes such as Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man and the household names, Marvel faced criticism for failing to, well, actually reflect the world outside our window when it came to on-screen representation, even as it is, it introduced more radically and uh, diverse characters such as Ironheart, Wiccan, or Miles Marvels in its comics. Marvel movies gave starring roles exclusively to straight white men until 2018's Black Panther, a release which explained the reach of Marvel's cinematic universe even further, the opened the door to such projects as Sang Chai and The Legend of Ten Rings, Miss Marvel, and the upcoming Disney Plus miniseries Secret Invasions. Today, Marvel is the brand that sets the pack in almost the pace in almost every game it moves into. It remains as the case from more than half a century. The best-selling comic publisher in America and it's also behind the biggest box office franchise of all time with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, which doesn't even include the early Spider-Man or X-Men movies. Now, more than ever, we're living inside Stanley's fantasy and those of his co-creators, of course. When it comes to pop culture, whether in movies or streaming shows, comics or video games, this Marvel's world, we're just looking at it through so many windows of different types as often as possible and ask for more. Okay, how Marvel became Marvel. From cashing in on the earliest comic book craze to reviving the genre and surviving bankruptcy, the realist company has transformed into one of the most powerful pop culture brands in the world. Marvel's Phantom, Phantom of Heroes and Villains as drawn by legendary artist Jack Kirby in 1970. Opposed below, Marvel Comics and Captain America Comics were two of the company's semi-early publications. In 1939, Martin Goodman was looking for the next big thing. By that point, the 31-year-old New Yorker had enjoyed a pretty good run as the man responsible for Lope magazine with titles like All-Star Adventure Faction and Star Detective. But he knew their time was limited. Like any good publisher, he wanted in on the ground floor of the next big thing, making him a perfect target when approached with comic strips created to cash in on the popularity of recent introductions. Caped crime fighters, Superman and Batman, Goodman even had a title in mind borrowed from another of his pulp and Marvel comics. 
when it appeared on stands in late August 1939. Marvel appeared. Marvel Comics number one was a massive success, selling out its 80,000 print run in days. None of the stars of the issue have as yet been parallel in a Marvel Cinematic Universe stardom. However, although their names would be referred, reused for later more successful creations, instead the earliest of Marvel iconic multimedia here would show up for another year with a fan favorite suggestion. Goodman knew exactly what he was doing. The company was then known as Timely Comics. One chick, Captain America in his own title in 1940 was a bold move. Even Superman and Batman had first appeared in Action Comics and Detective Comics, respectfully, but the characters was more of a gamble for Goodman than it appeared. To secure the characters, he hadn't just given the creators their series. He had also offered them a percentage of profit and staff jobs. Joe Simon and Jack Kirby featured industry giants, young and hungry, at the time accepted. Captain America comics were selling well and everyone at Timely seemed happy for a brief time. Upset that Goodman had already re Nidged on his promise for profit sharing, Simon and Kirby left the comic, the company in the fall of 1941, just ten issues into Captain America's run. The loss of the company's comics editor and art director would have made more publishers take a moment for re re reflection. But Goodman had the perfect man in office to fill both seats of sh sets of shoes. As unlikely as it seemed at the time, his wife's cousin, Stanley Lieber, despite his late self cartered legend, Stanley Lieber was not a man who dreamed of a life in comics. Instead, he was a frustrated novelist and later screenwriter who ended up working for Goodman simply because he needed the money. His first official credit in Captain America Comics number 3 was published in 1941 under the Stan Lee. presumed Stan Lee because he explained later in life he was so embarrassed by the medium that he couldn't bear to have his real name attached. Decades later, comics had made Lieber so famous he legally changed his name to match the persona. Well, that is pretty interesting. I did not know that. You'll have to tell me somehow. I don't know if you can find me. You'll have to tell me if you actually knew that. Despite his lack of enthusiasm for the material, the 19-year-old Lee was made editor-in-chief of Goodman's entire comic line. Uh, roughly the same time he got drafted in the War World II. After three years as an official military playwright in the same division in which Frank Carper 
Charles Adams and Theodore Giggles served Theodore the entire time continuing to work for Goodman via mail. Lee returned to civil civilian life to find himself in charge of a struggling comic company trying to survive after the end of the superhero craze. Like other publishers at the time, Goodman attempted to keep his comics line alive by trying anything and everything to replace superheroes in the hearts and in imperceptibly minds of America's youth. As the industry desperately created multiple news genres in a quick section, romance comics, western comics, monster comics, true crime comics, and most famously, horror comics. Ooh, yeah, I love those comics. Which prompted naked hearings about their cooperation influenced on readers, Goodman pushed Lee to jump on every available bandwagon in search of a hit. One finally arrived in 1961 after Goodman had a faithful round of golf with his center part at National Comics Publication. As the story goes, the national publisher Jack Libuistic L-I-E B-O-W-I-T-S sent much of the game, boasting about a new comic he was publishing. He found some success rebooting a number of superheroes years earlier. National soon-to-be re-DC comics put them all in the same series called Justice League of America. Fans were Berwitz share going wild about the new idea. Goodman returned to the office and told Lee that he wanted a Justice League of his own as soon as published possible. Whether or not the story of the Fable Golf Game is true, Fantastic Num Four Number One, a series featuring superheroes team fighting a monster like the early JLA stories, hit stands in August. Shortly after becoming editor-in-chief at Time Lee Comics, Stan Lee served in the U.S. Army single crops during World War II left. Joe Simon created Captain America with Jack Kirby. Joe Simon and Jack Kirby were the first superstar creators of comics. Author and comic books historian Mark Ebener told the Los Angeles Times in 2011, they didn't just have one or two great ideas, they were the go-to guys for the next thing in comics. When the first superhero comics craze fade, Goodman and Lee turned to other genres, romance, western monsters, true crime, and horror. Comics that changed the genre, Marvel's nickname in the House of Ideas, and these Portorial tales back at that swagger. Marvel comic book University is one of the largest ongoing narratives in human history, having run almost continuously for 80 plus years. Along the way, there have been many notable marks or important 
turning points for the Marvel Universe as a whole are five of the biggest. Fantastic Four, numbers 48 and 53, 1965-66. Just four years after Stan Lee and Jack Kirby launched Fantastic Four, they hit this half-year stretch of greatness that defined what a Marvel comic could be. From the cosmic genre of world-eating villain Glancher and Silver Surfer to the intimate phantom of the classic story. This man, this monster, not to mention the debut of the Black Panther and the Air Force Inso Nation Wakanda. This six-month period of creation outputs set the temple for every, template for everything that followed in comics as well as on the big screen. The Dark Phoenix Saga. I love the Dark Phoenix. 1979-80. It's the classic Marvel formula mixed soap opera and superheroics. Her then it's no surprise that Chris Claremont and John Dark Phoenix Saga told in the Uncanny X-Men number 130 to 137 hit horror fans didn't the X-Men struggle with a goody-like threat to life itself. They had to process that the threat came from one of the X-Men, and that's before they had to deal with the death of a major hero from the first time in Marvel's comic history. Mountain Massacre, 1869. This was a new frontier when it happened on signal story told of Across multiple series, the Uncanny X-Men, X-Men Factor, New Mutants, Thor Power Pack, and Daredevil. Whew. For three months required fans to buy them all to know what happened. Promoted by an elaborate flow chart of the comics reading Order the Series was Doubling down on the completed nature of Marvel fiction universe and fans responded. A massive hit. The format would be repeated over and over. Okie dokie, artichoke. It's time for an ad break class sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today and the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon I know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now Fantastic Four became a hit. Lee and Kirby 
demonstrated that it wasn't a fluke by creating oh okay even as an artist brought different ideas and influences to each creation lee's i in their secretism voice bound them together and made the idea of their coexisting inside a shared world that much more believable now each character seemed to be resonated with the growing audience of excited fans enjoying the breathless mix of action and self-decoration humor that seemed a distant departure from the grow-up self-seriousness on the offer from Justice League and its members. Lee took refuge to the success as the Marvel Age of Comics, a catch-all team formerly adapted when the new Marvel comic group appeared. On covers from the first time with issues. Cover date May 1963. The company wouldn't formally adapt the name for another decade, by which point it had not only aggressively extended its output, a new distribution deal in 1968 allowed Marvel to essentially double the number of comics it could publish monthly, but also gone through a series of personal shifts, most notably Goodman retired in 1972, ultimately replaced by Lee, who was also temporarily became president of the company around the same time. This means that Lee was less involved with the creation of the comics himself. A new generation of writers and editors raised on his voice and able to offer acceptable fam- Miller's had arrived to take his place, just as Marvel had withstood the loss of creators like Kirby and Ditko, both of whom left in the late 1960s after complaining how little credit Lee had publicly awarded them for their work, so it would survive Lee's departure from the editor's side. Especially when every issue featured a logo announcing Stan Lee presents at the start of each story, suggesting he was always there in spirit, even as Lee's replacement brought a freshness to Marvel output in in terms of tone, psyche, and street. Studios were introduced throughout the 70s and editors Dreamline, Lee's approach into a fast-paced, hatcher-rich house style. The company stumbled through mismanagement and overexpansion with only the licensed Star Wars comics saving Marvel from bankruptcy. In the late 1970s, the illustration as editor and chief Jim Shooter, a comic for who'd been working in the industry since he was 14 and saw himself as a spiritual success to Stan Lee turned things around, but at a cost. While Shooter's instinct and imperative appeared to parallel what fans wanted, his realistic themes on storylines aligned many writers and artists throughout his nine-year turn. 
Ultimately, Marvel went from a turbulent 1970s into a hugely successful 1980s, in part due to the rise of specialist comic stories that brought back brought books on a non-returnable basis, while training casual readers to comic books every week for more as new standards and subscription sales fell. This so-called direct market became a far more luxurious replacement making minor celebrities out of creators of fan-favorite stories. <clears throat> a higher price for little cost. Under the publishing Paragram, Marvel felt confitted enough to lean into its so erratic, increasingly publishing more and more self-reflected material that required buying multiple series in order to understand the complete narrative arc of story. Again, fans voted with their dollars in favor. All of this made Marvel an attractive prosperable for purchase. Goodman had sold the company to the Perfect Film and Commercial Corporation in 1968, which in turn sold it, sold it in 1986 to Divine Movie Studio, New World Entertainment three years later. New World itself was purchased by in Esther Ron Pullman, who saw in Marvel an opportunity to build his own Walt Disney Company. By 1996, Marvel was bankrupt. The CBS series The Incredible Hawk, starring Lou Ferrey, was Marvel's first live-action success. Adventures on TV Marvel, Mike Hears, has a long and occasionally forgettable history of small screen. When Marvel first took its colorful comic book heroes to television in the 1960s, cartoons were the obvious choice. The Marvel superheroes and authority featuring Captain America, the Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, and the Spider Mira debuted in 1966, and over the next few decades, the Fantastic Four, Spider Man, the X Men, and others all got the spotlight in general, well received, kid friendly adaptations. Live action promoting didn't fear quite as well, with one real hit coming in from one of the Incredible Hawk. The CBS series, which starred Bill. Bixby as Dr. David, Bruce Banner, and Lou Forshin as Banner's tutorial Angry Persona ran for five seasons from 1977 to 1982. The unmarkable Amazing Spider-Man of the late 1970s will affect the opposite end of the success spectrum. Following the launch of Marvel's Cinematic Universe, the company once again set its sights on live-action TV with its Marvel Television Production Company. Whew. The intervention was, intention was for this new genre of shows to tie in directly to the stories of the blockbuster movie. 
First on top was the 2013 launch of Marvel's Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which followed Phil Collins of the Strict Homeland Intervention Emergency and Long Distance Division. On the big screen, Collins helped to assemble the Avengers team in the ABC series, the presumed dead Collins lead a team of agents as they navigate mysterious powers impact cases. I think it's impossible that everybody understands that Marvel is one universe. Marvel Television had Joseph Lebo said before the show debuted so it doesn't really matter to us whether or not it's publishing games animation cinematic universe or what we're doing on television what's important to us is the character that we're what we're doing is telling the story about the real world as long as it has that we'll try to follow the continues as best as we can through the show's plots and corporation key events on the film like the revelation that the Hydro organization had long ago inflicted shield and had the occasional pop in from a minor film character. The show and its cast never crossed into the larger cinematic universe during its seven season run. Marvel Television tried to branch into multiple areas during its near decade of extentless binging. Off beloved film supporting characters, ABC's uh, Agent Carter, and creating program sets within the X Men universe, Fox's Logan and the Fox's The Gifted, animated shows, Marvel featured Avengers, Marvel Spider Man, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Dale Daredevil ran from the three season on Netflix. Cox made a surprise cameo in the 2021 film Spider-Man No Way Home. Young adult Hulu's reruns and free forms cloak and danger and an ABC family drama ABC's Inhumans. But the best swing came with Marvel partnership with Netflix which began in 2015. The streamer ordered four individual series Daredevil Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, with the heroes teaming up in the limited series The Defenders. There was also the Daredevil spin-off The Punisher. Though the Netflix show achieved some critical acclaim, Jessica Jones became the first Marvel title to score a Peabody Award. All of the shows were cancelled by 2019. Marvel's television was Folding in Marvel Studios that year, and as the company opted to finally direct its ties, its TV shows to film world and put the creative leadership under one umbrella. The fun of the MCU is also obviously all of the crossovers that we can do between series, between films, studio. Marvel Studios presents Kevin told SF. And plus in 2021, it will always vary based on the story. Sometimes it will go into a second season, sometimes it will go into a feature, and then back into a series. 
I know one series that I liked for Marvel was WandaVision. And I'm like, I want another series on WandaVision. I want more WandaVision. It was like a perfect combination of all the old TV shows based on with all the new. I hope y'all like this. Have a great weekend. Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today and the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now I hope you all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.